This is a District Sentinel Radio special report. I'm Sam Knight. It's Tuesday, October 27th, 2020. Deals. Donald Trump loves them. I'm different than other presidents. I'm a deal maker. I've made deals all my life. I do really well. I, I make great deals. But one of his big deals to address COVID-19 is a total wreck. In complete disarray just two weeks after it was announced on July 28th. Today, thanks to documents obtained by the Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, we take a closer look at the Trump administration's troubled deal with Kodak, a proposed $765 million government loan to get the former film giant into pharmaceuticals. Kodak will now produce generic, active pharmaceutical ingredients, which is a big deal. It started back in May. The president issued an executive order directing the Development Finance Corporation, or DFC, an agency supporting international development, to finance domestic industrial production to address pharmaceutical supply shortages during the pandemic. The White House was looking for companies that it believed could help fill the gaps. Top White House economic advisor, loyal Trump man, and fervent nationalist Peter Navarro settled on Kodak. Kodak stood out as an amazing project. One of my team, Chris Abbott, found it. And when we took a look at it, it was like, wow, this is amazing. Kodak, with its experience making film, has expertise in fine chemicals. That was Navarro when the deal was unveiled. But just weeks later, Kodak executives were accused of trading stock off insider knowledge of the deal. Local media in Rochester, New York, where Kodak's headquarters is located, published a story on the loan. The company asked for the piece to be taken down for 24 hours, claiming the news was still under embargo. The piece came down. Kodak stock price still went up with the cat out of the bag. Under federal securities rules, the company should have publicly disclosed news of the deal then, but didn't. Kodak CEO Jim Continenza got 1.75 million stock options that day. The deal was announced the next day, and Kodak stock went up even higher. Five days before the official announcement, company board member Philippe Katz also bought more than 46,000 shares of Kodak stock. Another board member, George Carfunkel, donated $3 million of his Kodak shares to a charity that he runs just one day after the announcement. After Kodak stock spiked to more than $33 per share, up from $8 per share the day before, and $2.62 per share the day before that. The Wall Street Journal reported Carfunkel's donation was the largest ever to a religious nonprofit, which, again, he owns. The company has since conducted an internal investigation, which concluded that nobody did anything wrong. But even if you believe that, damage has already been done. In August, just days after the deal was announced, the SEC announced an inquiry into Kodak. So did Congress. So did the DFC Inspector General. The Trump administration put the loan on hold, and Peter Navarro changed his tune. What, what happened at Kodak was, was probably the dumbest decisions made by executives in corporate history. Kodak, I mean... <laughs> oh, right. It's hard to be that. You can't fix stupid, Joe. You just can't. According to the Wall Street Journal, however, Navarro should have shown some humility. Company executives told the paper that they had questions about the White House strategy. 
The July 28th announcement was only meant to be about a letter of intent from the DFC. The credit wouldn't even be finalized until after the election. Kodak was concerned about the timetable and the public unveiling. From the journal, quote, some Kodak executives concluded they had little choice in the matter. This was denied by the White House, but by all accounts, Navarro was incredibly thirsty for this deal. It was his office that made initial contact with the DFC to ask about the possibility of a loan to Kodak. When the agency expressed an interest, Navarro reached out to Kodak and told it to get in touch. So he was the one who sprinted to put on a public display to impress his boss who sits around all day tweeting about the stock market while watching Fox News. And he's surprised this led to suspicious stock trades? You can't fix stupid. Which brings us to the files we obtained through FOIA. It's safe to say they're consistent with Navarro really wanting this deal done quickly to score a win for economic nationalism in an election year. And it's going to allow uh, Kodak to move in Trump time uh, towards the goal of getting us um, independent. In response to a DFC questionnaire, Kodak said it would establish its pharmaceuticals arm as a special purpose vehicle and that, quote, Kodak intends to structure the financing on a non-recourse basis such that the debt would be secured by all assets of the special purpose vehicle, but not by any non-special purpose vehicle assets of Kodak. Basically, what that means is that if the government were to fund a venture with Kodak and it went totally bust, the government wouldn't be able to make claims on Kodak's assets outside the busted pharmaceutical venture in an effort to collect the remaining balance of the loan that Kodak owes the government. But here was how Peter Navarro characterized the deal on Fox Business. And the beauty of the loan um, is it's fully collateralized by both assets and performance contracts. So it's, it's, it's minimal risk uh, to, to the taxpayer. Maybe Navarro was confident in Kodak's ability to pay back the DFC loan because the proposal relied heavily on Kodak having friends in government procurement. In the executive summary of the company's proposal, bullet point three on page two touted a public-private partnership aimed at shoring up the pharmaceutical supply chain, and Kodak proposed working with the U.S. government, quote, to construct a strategic active pharmaceutical ingredient reserve facility. As appropriate for government contract work, Kodak wrote up its proposal quote, based on a cost plus fixed fee model, meaning the company would be paid for production costs plus a percentage fee. The percentage fee and the costs were redacted. When Navarro rolled out the Kodak deal, he painted it as a triumph for economic nationalism. He said it would help the U.S. become less reliant on imports for pharmaceuticals, and at this point, there's no reason to doubt ideology was his prime motivation, though inspectors general are still investigating, and you can never preliminarily rule out self-dealing as a motivating factor for a Trump administration official. But Navarro's animus toward China is well known. It's easy to see why he'd want to boost domestic production while helping a formerly giant American company like Kodak find a new niche especially when thumbing through a recent Kodak quarterly disclosure to the SEC, which was submitted as part of its loan application to the DFC. The vast majority of Kodak's remaining business in traditional printing is mostly abroad, the filing show. At the end of March, 
The company had some $209 million in cash and cash equivalents. Of this, over 75% was outside the U.S. Of this, more than half, or $88 million, was in China. The company has more business in China than it has in the U.S. at this point. Then, on May 12th, with trouble deepening amid the pandemic, Kodak transferred $70 million from a Chinese subsidiary to a U.S. subsidiary. It noted, quote, Kodak is facing liquidity challenges due to operating losses, low or negative cash flow from operations, collateral needs, and restrictions on the movement of cash from China. A once iconic American company is grappling with the idea that it might need to shut down its U.S. operations to focus mostly on China. It's the perfect time for someone like Peter Navarro to swoop in with economic nationalism, at least according to Peter Navarro. And the company's filings with the DFC certainly tug on nationalist heartstrings. In response to an agency questionnaire, the company noted, quote, Kodak has a long history of supporting the U.S. government and has been a supplier of a variety of films to the government during wartime, the Cold War, and peacetime for use in military and U.S. security, as well as for films for NASA. Whether it was providing aerial lenses, cameras, or optics for tank periscopes during the Second World War, or providing sensors or cameras for several of NASA's space missions, Kodak has been serving as a strong partner of the U.S. government for over a century. End of quote. With a company like this in trouble, Peter Navarro saw this as his moment to swoop in. The Kodak Aren't all your moments worth Kodak film? Unfortunately for Navarro, his plan is in tatters. And it's not really shocking considering that it's based on a company synonymous with screwing up, a company that's a shell of its former self because it failed to see the obvious trend toward going digital. You do, however, have to grant Navarro one thing. It's foolish for a political economy to let the market fully dictate how key goods are produced. But to decommodify, we need publicly owned collective ventures. A nationalized generic drug manufacturer has been proposed by, I'm sorry to say, not Bernie Sanders, but Elizabeth Warren. This is something that could be of great use during a public health emergency. Some crank scheme to rebrand a print photography company as a pill manufacturer? Not so much. The Kodak Aren't all your moments worth Kodak film? You can't fix stupid. Thanks to SK for that special report. Sam Sachs here, and I'll take us home. As always, if you have any suggestions you want to send us on what to FOIA, our DMs are open. We, of course, can't end the show without reading some poetry for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month, you get access to all our bonus content, plus you get your own poem, and you get a free month subscription to Means TV. We've got one haiku to read today, and it goes out to Ken. Thanks for subscribing, Ken. Here we go. A great journalist but even better brother to the Krasensteins. There you go, Ken. Thanks again, and thanks to all the new subscribers on patreon.com slash district sentinel. That's it for the show today. We've got one week until election day, but even more important, four days until Halloween. Tune in to tomorrow's chip chat 
when we take a break from the usual security state discussions to talk about our favorite Halloween movies. Chip's been watching a horror movie a day all month, so he's prepared and ready to rip. Sam and I will be discussing all the latest election news on Thursday for Means Morning News, available to subscribers of Means TV, which again, you get a free month to by subscribing to our Patreon. And then we're back here Friday for The Garbage Can. So lots of content headed your way. Stay tuned. We're here in D.C. so you don't have to be.